Jim, sometimes I don't think I can get any more excited. I know I'm a spaz and people always talk to me about how I'm, you know, over enthusiastic for, for Star Trek Adventures sometimes if that's even possible. But I think we have a really winning show today. What do you think? I'm super excited. The The cast gets bigger and bigger every time we do a show, right? We keep getting more people and uh, it's just uh, showing the love, right? Just expanding the universe. We're one big happy fleet trying to get more perspectives in here. So, uh, uh, you, you say you're a spaz, but I'm just as much of a spaz as you are. So let's let's jump in, man. Okay, awesome. For those of you who maybe you're tuning in for the first time, this is Continuing Conversations, the podcast where we talk about everything Star Trek Adventures RPG. I'm Michael Dismuke, I'm one of the bloggers on Continuing Missions, uh, uh, sta.com. If you go there, I also am a freelance writer for Modifius, the Star Trek Adventures line, loving every minute of it. And uh, we're going to uh, introduce Jim, and then we're going to go and introduce some very, very special guests and tell you why we've assembled this crew for today's uh, mission. Uh, Jim, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. I'm Jim Johnson, um, the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game published by Modifius Entertainment. And I am uh, super excited for tonight. So I uh, just uh, going in order here, uh, working my way down the list on my on my screen anyway. Uh, Al, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, how's it going? Al Spader, um, contributing writer for uh, Star Trek Adventures, freelance sci-fi lover and all that fun stuff. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Al. Uh, Tony, next up. Yeah, I'm uh, Tony Pai. I'm a science fiction and fantasy writer and also a contributing writer for uh, continuing mission like Michael and uh, Star Trek Adventures and um, also for City of Mist and uh, the new Kickstarter, um, which I'll talk about later. <laughs> cool. Very cool. And uh, Susan and Tilly, whatever order you want to go in. Um, well, we're kind of the same because <laughs> we're yeah, writing the same. So we're like one one entity. Sure. You're the host on the symbiont. Uh, yeah, it's yep. kind of like that. Mm -hmm. um, Let's see, we write comics and Star Trek adventures and Which TV we love stuff dearly. And uh, podcasts. We run a podcasting and company and yeah. <laughs> we do a little bit of everything. We're everywhere. It's almost all sci-fi. Yeah. And nice. we run pendant audio. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. That's good for now. That's good. That's good enough for now. Keep going. Okay, all cool. Right. <laughs> uh, so I have to I have to ask though, because you mentioned being a symbiont. Are you a symbiont like in the in in the idea of like uh, Dax and uh, and her hosts? Are you a symbiont like um, like um, uh, the Borg Queen and uh, Agnes? <laughs> I was leaning more Trill than I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh man, that that Borg one's so cool though. Yeah. Right. yeah. So what we all have right. So what we all have in common is that you're seeing a group here with Al, Tony, Susan, Tilly, myself. We all have the privilege of having written mission briefs that are available for free generously through Modifius to encourage people uh, to play mission briefs in the Star Trek Adventures line. And so today's show is all about mission briefs. We're going to talk about uh, why they came about in the first place. Jim's going to expound on that. We're going to talk about what our ideas were behind these mission briefs. Um, and we're then going to talk about ones that we've played or ones we're going to really encourage you to play if you haven't yet. And again, I can't believe it. They're actually free. So these are a bunch of ideas that we can dump on the table for you and you can jump into. And as usual, we always love to hear your play reports. So the more you talk about how these turn out, the more wonderful we see how infinite and diverse the Star Trek universe is when it comes to imagination. So, Jim, I'm going to let you take it from there and uh, start. Start. I'll let you take over the interview from here and pick it apart. And let's talk about mission briefs. What What was behind them? Maybe sure. Mission mission briefs. Okay. So, uh, mission briefs. Um, back several years ago, I was working on the um, the division source books, right? The command science and operations division source books. And in those, um, I wanted to expand on something that was in the core book in terms of creating plot components that game masters could use to try to add more stuff to their game and especially find ways to get their different uh, characters, the, you know, their different player characters involved in the game. So especially the player character roles 
that don't tend to get a lot of play or a lot of love. Like, you know, in my experience, the chief medical officer, the con officer, and the operations officer just didn't always have a lot to do. It was always the science and the med uh, the science and the security and the engineers that were always the, the superstars that had just a lot to do, right? And I was like, there's gotta be ways that we can get the other roles involved. And then um, after we did the division books, we went on to other products. And when we were doing the Klingon book, I was like, oh, well, here's an opportunity. A, I wanted to talk to Game Masters more about how to structure episodes and how to like run you know, Star Trek adventures. And I also wanted to do other ways of like presenting stories so that a game master could jump into a story really quick and start flying with their um, with their adventure with the group at the table. And so I, I stumbled on this kind of, you know, I was doing a lot of notes and just writing things out. I came upon this uh, mission brief structure of, uh, you know, high level plots, plot concept, and then three acts, and then a, a notional conclusion of how it could turn out, you know, depending on what the players do. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was informed by the, the reading I've done on um, on writing stage plays and screenplays, because uh, it's that you know it's that classic structure, right? You get your people up into a tree, and then you throw rocks at them, and then you see how they get out, right? And they either fall out of the tree or they find a way to climb out of the tree or whatever. But uh, it, that that's the conceit of the mission briefs. Really, is like you present your players with a problem, you throw complications at them, and then you see what happens, right? Basically. And uh, as a game master, I thought it would be really nice to have it all on one piece of paper, one handy piece of paper that you could print off, have a stack of them so that if you go to a go to a night session and you're like, oh, I really want to run an episode for, you know, say your chief science officer hasn't had much to do lately. You can pull out a chief science officer yeah. brief, adapt it, run it, and you're off and, off and going. So anyway, I that was the ask, idea. Yeah, and I want to ask to that too. Yeah. And again, Susan, Tony, and Al, as we talk about the, the, the construct of a mission brief, please feel free to jump in. Mm -hmm. But when you are actually looking, and I know when you're asking us to do these mission briefs, you're asking us to mix it up too, yeah. right? So, so I appreciate what you said about just being able to take the story and pull it for characters. I oftentimes encourage people to use them for B plots too. So we know Star mm -hmm. Trek is known for having the main story and then they also have a B plot running. These are great to adapt for that. Um, do do any of the other players here do that? Or players or writers now with a bunch of writers today. <laughs> do any of the other writers there um, do that? Do run two stories at once during your gaming sessions? Yeah, um, I ran a play post for a while um, and we would do a mission brief as a B plot for some people that um, were on at different times. Like we had a couple of players that worked night shifts so they would have a B plot going while the main crew had an A plot going. Uh, and it worked pretty well. Brilliant. I know, Susan, until you were talking to me earlier about um, how you play your game, I think it'll be interesting to hear that here right now. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, Tilly, because it sounds um, similar. Like It sounds like A plot, A plot. But Well, before we get into that, I just want to say like I play on both of our games and like I have sister characters like so they're related to each other and on one ship I'm the captain and on the other ship I'm the chief medical officer and I actually like that there's less for the chief medical officer to do because then I can relax a little bit <laughs> the pressures of command yes the pressures of command um right so I run uh two concurrent games with completely different uh Crews. crews and players, except for Susan, she's the only one who plays in both. Right. Um, they're set in a, in the same shared universe, so uh, events from one game affect the events in the other. Mm. Um, we've done giant crossover games where we get both crews together, which is a lot of players to wrangle. Um, and it was really cool, though, because when we did that, I got a, a cameo from Denise Crosby because Sila was the main vi villain, and so I got her to record this threat that I, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great. They all lost their minds. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we do that. But then in each game, um, I also I so we sort of have a B plot if we have time for it. We always focus on the A plot. But if there's time, then uh, I do what I call downtime, which is to let the characters work on uh, long term projects that they might not get a chance to in the A story, or maybe they want to go. Uh, you have a, a player who's who's a beta zoid, and he got an invite to go. Uh, to the home of Ambassador Lawaxana Troy. And so he took a little time on his downtime to go visit her. And oh, we I had have another a, player and her, talk with her. her dad works on a different ship. And mm -hmm. so she wanted to get together with her dad. So like all these things ship. like yeah. help give those little moments that we can add into stuff. Right. And then stuff happens from those that I'll take and incorporate into the A story later. 
on down the line. So we tie it all together that way. Yeah. And nice. so the mission briefs, I think you you were thinking of them more as like additional, like you could add it on to another, like a longer campaign, mm -hmm. like as a right. one session thing, or sometimes obviously you can't control it goes for multiple sessions sometimes, yeah. but you, you control know, the players or, or no. everyone looks at that ship and goes, Oh, we're tired. We're not investigating. Let's that. run away. <laughs> Let's run away. <laughs> and all your work. It's just down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Tony, what about you? How are you using those mission briefs? Um, I haven't been able to incorporate B plots into my um, uh, adventures because we have limited amount of time to play each night uh, that we play, and um, so we stay focused for the most part. Um, <clears throat> I think I probably describe the mission briefs as kind of the reverse in, in that um, I have run some adventures and turned them into mission briefs, uh, some of which I've posted on uh, continuing mission. Um, and I, I like the structure because you don't need to sketch out the entire adventure. Um, and sometimes that has advantages. You can take it in whatever direction you want. Uh, and especially when converting uh, adventures you've already created into mission briefs, you can phrase in a way that there might be other solutions than the one that uh, your own crew have paid, played through. Yep. Yeah, you. I know we've talked before. I like the structure of the mission brief so much that I now take the modules and I reverse engineer them into mission briefs mm. because I play with a bunch of players who are creative and problem solvers. I don't need to do much handholding. They take the, the story um, on their own. So, so for those of you who are listening in right now, mission briefs are so malleable. They're clay in the hands. Um, myself and Jim have talked before that you know, if you're a first time game master, maybe you do want to be walk through the starter set just so you see the mechanics of the game and some modules to see some of the variety, but more advanced uh, game masters who, who are, are know the rules pretty well, or maybe don't even use the rules much because they don't do a lot of dice rolling. Um, these, these acts, these, these plays basically set, set up really well. So Jim, again, I said, I was going to pass it to you before, but now I'm going to really pass it to you so you can start talking and break. Are you really? Five. <laughs> I'm not That's hard to, to let go, talking. man. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, I could, uh, we're going to talk about the five packs that are out so far. So Jim, uh -huh. take it from there. All right. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try to, I'll try to take control. <laughs> So you're the you're the first off the so I'm going to turn it right back to you, Michael, because you're the you're the first one off the bat. So just to set it up here, um, uh, you know, once once I got the proof of concept out, right, we did the Klingon book. The the twelve mission briefs in there uh, were pretty well received, including by you and some of the other writers on this call. And uh, I was like, okay, I think this is a format I'll stick with. So I started adding mission briefs to each of our standalone adventures. You know, so the the writer would write a standalone adventure and add a mission brief to, to the end of it to notionally continue on the story if players and game masters wanted to. And so, uh, you know, I was happy with the format. The fans seemed to like it. I was like, okay, I'm going all in with this because I can, because I'm in that position to do it and no one's telling me not to. And, uh, and so I commissioned a whole bunch of mission brief packs, including from all of you and, and other writers. So I think I had maybe like nine or 10 of these in different stages of process, right? And I was I try to be very careful with the mission briefs and the standalones not to dictate to the writers what their deadlines are, because these are really, I have a whole bunch of them in, 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 in development. Right. And I, I'm really, honestly, just, I want to see what the writers can do. And um, you know, honestly, it's a little bit of a test because I can see who's really passionate and who's trying to get their stuff done and who can write quickly and efficiently and write well, right. At quickly. And um, I just worked out Michael that yours was the first in and edited and then, and then approved and then developed, right. There's a whole, five to six month process that you guys probably don't see um, maybe sometimes longer. Cause I think some of your stuff, I think Tony's years may have been the longest in development just because of schedules and things that happened <laughs> that really we didn't have a lot of control over. Right. It was just uh, a lot of it was CBS, not that they're bad. Right. I mean, they just, they're super busy because the CBS review team uh, that we work with is responsible for approving everything CBS and Star Trek. Right. So there's, it's not just Modifius, it's everything. And sometimes they get backed up. And I think uh, some of the adventure briefs, this is digressing, but uh, when, it, when it's convention season, they're busy off doing conventions. And so they're not busy sitting in their office reviewing stuff. But anyway, eventually it all worked out, right? And so Michael, your, your admission brief pack was the first off the, off the um, off it came out last uh, spring, if I remember right, I think last March, 2021. 
and it was all about uh, growing pains, the enterprise era. So talk uh, briefly about what are, what are those 10 mission briefs about? What excited you about uh, about writing them? Sure. I mean, I, I was excited. I'm I'm one of, I'm not going to say the few people, but I, I like enterprise. Um, I didn't like it when it was initially out, except for seasons three and four. But then I went and started it back from the beginning, and then I really liked it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Andorians, which I don't think ever get enough screenplay. Um, in in Star Trek. So when you asked me this, I was like, oh my goodness, I get the chance to talk, you know, continue the story that we saw in Enterprise. Um, I think, you know, Enterprise happens and then we go leaping forward into the TOS era, but there's a lot of story that happens in between there. And those politics of Andorians and Vulcans and Trill um, and Tellarites and, and, Come on, they didn't get along just because they put a stamp and yeah, I'm a Federation member all of a sudden. That was impossible. So the idea behind this was to create as many stories to show all the clashes that would happen between these groups and the diplomacy that was required and setting up trade agreements and who were the enemies now, even picking up in one case, one of my favorite stories is called Revenge of the Alarians, picking up uh, a story where Archer's Enterprise stole a warp core. Talk about breaking of a prime directive. Stole a warp core. You're just going to leave it like that? Oh, no. No, I couldn't leave it like that. So I thought that there was a lot of threads to pull with it. And so for anybody who wants to play Enterprise Era, which I hope one day I have a chance, time to do, um, that was the purpose of these modules was to really get people to think like, wow, what were the politics like of at that time? Nice. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I'll also add that uh, that mission brief pack was only the Actually, it still is. It's only the second um, product that we released specifically for Enterprise. Uh, that you know that era using the Enterprise layout. We try to do a different layout for each of the major eras of play. And uh, one of the uh, standalone adventures in the second uh, compendium, uh, Strange New Worlds, was an Enterprise-themed um, adventure. So we did a customized layout for that using the look and feel of Enterprise. And I was I was really excited to be able to use it again in the mission brief pack because I, I knew that uh, you would put a lot of work into those mission briefs. And I just I, I want more I want more enterprise stuff out there. It's just hard to get it all through the through the pipeline. So I was just excited to get that one out when we could. So uh, good stuff. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. Uh, so then next up we had uh, the bridges. Uh, Susan and Tilly, you were up next with the uh, disasters crew pack, and uh, we'd love to hear your perspectives on uh, how that came together, what you enjoyed about it, what uh, what's it all about. It was uh, very heavily inspired by the next gen episode, Disaster, conveniently. Um, it's yeah, I remember when we were talking about it. We were like, what do we want to do? Well, right. Because, like, you're a big Deep Space Nine person, I'm a big TNG person, and we've watched all of the shows twice at least. through. Like, Maybe more. At least. We're, we're, we're doing a rewatch right now. We're on our second time through everything. And um, yeah. Well, I. I really always love that episode, that episode really because every time something can go wrong, it does. And as a writer, I love that. And as a game master, I love that because that makes for the most interesting story. And um, it also had this, this great <clears throat> thing that really inspired me anyway from the episode is that it forced all of these characters you didn't necessarily always see working together to have to work together and and overcome problems together, which felt very much like this game after we had played it a bunch. Um, and so it just sort of seemed to lend itself to that, that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, I love problems. I love when we're playing games and, and players roll complications and I cackle and they all hate me for it, but I'm so happy. <laughs> and it's not because I want things to go wrong for them, but it's just because that's when things get so interesting when yeah. everything goes wrong. Um, and it's the most fun then. So that was the big inspiration. Um, they were really fun to write, but uh, for me at least, we normally write much longer. We write comics and screenplays and pilots. And so for me, it was really hard to pare it back so much. I'm like, but I want to put all these little character details in and this extra world building. There's no, there was no room. So that took a little getting used to. It was, it was tough. And I'm yeah. a pretty ruthless editor. So like I was really cutting. <laughs> and then we still had to cut more in the end. And we yep. were like, oh, all right. Yep. No cookie recipe in this one. All yeah. right. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I felt I felt so bad that I had to cut that. But uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, Susan, because uh, it's like you guys, you all cut it down quite a bit to get it to me, right? And then and then I had to do another cut, and especially for the first two, for for Michael's brief pack and your brief pack, um, because I I did like I had a concept in my head of how it would work out, and and of course you know a Microsoft Word document 
can have so many words on a page. And then when you translate that into the layout, it's all different because of the borders and the fripperies and the design yeah. elements and stuff. And all of a sudden, my 600 word per page estimate turned into like 500 or 550 or something. And I was like, oh, no, I have to cut more. And so like the, the designer would send me the PDF, the, the draft PDF, and there'd be like, you know, two paragraphs hanging off the bottom edge of the page. <laughs> it's like, well, we need to cut to make that fit. And I was like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? And it's like, it was just painful, painful to go in there and redline, like trying to pare it down and keep all of your voices in there. Because that's the most important thing for me as an editor is to keep your voices in there and not just rewrite it just to make it fit. Right. And I was like, oh, I hate, I hate every single bit of this. Mm. I had like every time I was cutting a, a line, I was like, oh, I could feel it. It was like a scar coming on my body. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Uh, but finally, you know, made it work. But um, I, I almost wish I could do like a, um, like a uh, like a movie um you know Deleted special scene. feature <laughs> of, like, yeah. like the, the the cutting floor you know all the bits that were cut can i put all those back in somehow and do a special edition or something someday but yeah i don't know it but, taught yeah, me the I, power I, I, it taught me the power of conjunctions yeah yeah i truly <laughs> feel your pain in terms of like having to cut cuz just just know that i have to cut more and uh, it hurts me every time i do it but, you know, also at the same time, though, as an editor, like I remember when I was write, starting out writing, my editors challenged me. They said, if you can write something in 2000 words, you can write it in 1500. And for a long time, I was like, BS, there's no way I can do that. But sure enough, if I if I force myself to really focus on it, I could find a way to pair off a couple hundred words here and there and get more concise and get more creative with my language and, you know, break out the dictionary and find find different ways of saying the same thing more concisely and like i don't like my, my limited experience with screenplays is that for a time there you had 120 pages that was it you could not go beyond that so you had to get really creative to fit everything into that format uh stage plays not so much because stage plays you can the writers are are golden in stage plays pretty much the year the word is bond and don't you dare mess it up in a stage play <laughs> but screenplays of course are so co collaborative like who cares right i mean i hate to say that but the writers are on the bottom of the end of the of the barrel, or at least it used to be twenty years ago. I don't know if that's true now, but uh, I'm sure yeah, mostly, it's very it's different. mostly true. Although, uh, yeah, these days, one hundred and twenty pages on a screenplay would be very too long. Upon. That is, you have to be even shorter. Yeah, they, wow. Literally, you got to shoot for like a hundred. Really? Yeah. That's that's fascinating because movies are so long now, right? Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a digression. We could talk about that all all, uh, all night weird. later. Um, well, cool. Thanks for that um, perspective, uh, y'all. Thanks. Appreciate it. So now let's see. The third one on the list was, um, I think it was Disat. No, it was Anomalies, Al. Uh, so your, yours was next out. Of, and that was the third one we released last year. And then there was a long drought because there was just so much other stuff ahead, ahead in the pipeline for mission briefs. Uh, so Al, let's talk about uh, Anomalies. What was your idea there and uh, what, what brought that about? Uh, I realized that my favorite episodes of Star Trek were when we were doing strange science-y stuff in space. Um, uh, I think about the uh, Voyager episode, Parallax. I loved it. Um, such a great episode so early on in a show. Um, and I really wanted to do something that could be played in all eras. Um, so uh, a spatial anomaly can pop up whether you're on, you know, in the enterprise era or whether you're, you know, playing in the 2400s. Um, so my, my goal was to write 10 briefs that could essentially be applied anywhere. <clears throat> my, uh, my plan was to make them as general as possible so that they could be highly adaptable. Um, so I didn't put character names in there. I didn't do, um, I didn't say which enemies they were, um, basically just gave guidance, hey, make this fit your story. You tell me who the enemy is. This is the thing that's happening, um, and so on and so forth. Very cool. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so then after Al, uh, looks like we had, um, Michael, I think we came back to you, right? We did uh, the trade ledgers, the one with the Frenge and the other, uh, the other, um, um, other characters. So talk about trade ledgers and uh, what your experience was writing that, what was your inspiration, et cetera. 
There were three goals, three inspirations I had. One, I'm all about the Umox. I love, I, I, I love Ferengis. And I mean, I just fell in love after Deep Space Nine. I hated them in TNG, I'll tell you the truth. But after Deep Space Nine, I love every Ferengi episode there is. I even sometimes just binge watch episodes with Ferengis in them. Just well written, you know. Uh, second is it was actually because of you, uh, Jim, I wanted to get as many packlids into a, a mission brief pack as possible. I know you love packlids. And I was like, man, how many packlid stories can I get in here? So that was another one. And then the third one was, again, another species that we haven't seen enough of on screen, the Gorn. And, and so I wanted to get those three elements into a pack and really focused around um, what we call spice of life campaigns. We refer to that in the Game Masters and Players Guide, where there's a lot of business going on in the Federation constantly. I mean, there's treaties, there's trade agreements, there's there's piracy. And this was all about the business that helps the Federation in the 24th century run. So that was the mindset behind trade ledgers with the idea that people could drop them into a current game, um, you know, a TNG era game. But again, you can adapt these so that people could extract out Ferengi if they're not yet in your game and put in, you know, maybe Orions. You could use Orions almost any era now all the way into, you know, the 32nd century. Um, so that was the goal of it. Just talk about the business that makes the Federation run. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I thought it was it was an interesting challenge too that I thought you did you did well with is that uh, you know of course the federation is primarily a moneyless society, and yet there's this whole like subgroup of people that use money and and are in the federation. You got you know like you said the Orions, the Ferengi, like a lot of the people in DS Nine, the the traders and the barterers and stuff. It's like well, I mean they're not federation, so how are they trading their goods? How are they selling their goods? There must be some way. Uh, so it, it, I, mean, I was just glad to see that it worked worked through those uh, those mission briefs. Good stuff. Um, and then um, that brings us to Tony. So you you were the the author of the fifth one that just came out. Uh, this literally came out a couple months ago. Uh, Star based adventures. So uh, Tony, tell us a little bit about your inspiration for writing this one, and uh, and tell, tell tell us all about it. Yeah, well, one of my favorite series is a Deep Space Nine. Um, when you um, brought up the idea of the mission briefs. I was thinking, all right, um, if I set on a star base, I could structure it so that it could either be a missing season of uh, Deep Space Nine, or I could um, it could be set on one space station. People just play crew of that, or it could be different star bases that they visit uh, in the course of a starship going from place to place. And it doesn't have to be Federation; it could be other species. So. Um, I started structuring it like a missing season of Deep Space Nine. Um, just wondering, you know, who would be the characters who might be, you know, the stars in this episode. So um, I started thinking about it in that way, and then uh, just made sure that um, they were general enough that they could be transplanted to other star bases, and that they don't all have to take place in the same um, uh, space station. So. Um, I hope it worked <laughs> and um, uh, that um, hopefully some people will play the entire thing as a single season of uh, uh, their cruise adventures. I just got to jump in. I got to say, I've forbidden my players to uh, really look at this because we plan to use it. <laughs> it was perfect timing, Tony, on this uh, uh, for, our, for our game and um, the concepts I thought were phenomenal. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate about the, the mission brief format, especially yours uh, that worked out, uh, Tony, is um, is um, because we because these have a relatively short development time, partly because they're digital and they can get out, they can get out the door faster. They can, they can get into people's hands faster mm -hmm. than a print product. Um, if if I identify a thing in the line that we're short on, it's like, oh well, you know, I can do kind of a stopgap mission brief pack and kind of shore that up a little bit. And uh, like Starbase Adventures was one of the things that's always been on my radar. Like I've got to do some sort of standalone for a star that's on a Starbase to center on Starbase because I know that there's a there's a contingent of gamers out there who are playing on Starbases, right? Like you got your Starship Adventures. We got we got plenty of Starship Adventures, uh, but we were just like just the way the the line has flowed. Uh, there haven't been a lot of opportunities to do adventures on a Starbase. And I was like, well, I mean, other than like you know Narendra Station and. Uh, uh, the Shackleton, but even then, the the first season of the uh, the uh, Living Campaign was all was all ship based. Uh, we we tried to reference the station a couple of times, but just couldn't get there. 
because we were so focused on the the ships and stuff. But I was really glad that you had that idea for the star-based adventures because I was like, yes, this is perfect. I can plug it in. And then that gives the people that are doing star-based adventures 10 immediate episode ideas that they can take and they can run with. So I thought you did great with that. Um, so um, I got two questions for everybody. But before I do that, I just want to do a quick preview. I've got um, uh, I've got like five more mission brief packs that are in they're either ready to go or are in development. They're going to be released every other month this year in opposition to standalone adventures. So I've got standalone adventures and mission briefs coming out every other month this whole year and into next year as well. I think we're going to keep that going because uh, for the first time in five years on this line, I'm actually ahead of the game. <laughs> in terms of digital releases finally I've, I've i'm catching up to my backlog uh because I, I don't know if you guys realize it but the star trek adventures development team is pretty much a person of one and <laughs> this guy <laughs> wait wait that are you you told us there's five are you going to drop any hints about what those are i mean are you just gonna uh one two three of them are have been approved and are in layout now the other two are still being approved so i don't want to talk about the ones that haven't been approved yet I have no doubt they will be approved because that's just the relationship I have with CBS right now. Uh, but the other three, um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll spoil it. I mean, uh, <laughs> we never get it. spoilers. I'm always, I can't tell you Ooh. how many times I got to say this, this is momentous. So I like this combination of people because it's doing something to Jim. But I beg all the time, like, come on, dude, give us some spoilers. That yeah. we heard it here first. So this is so you heard it here first moment. <laughs> Let's have it. I'm not going to tell you who wrote them because um, because I, I just, I'll save that surprise. Um, although the next one, somebody on this call wrote it. Uh, the next one, the next one up is Psychic Incursions. That'll be out if it's not out this month. It'll be out next month. I, I, I can't remember the schedule. I don't have it in front of me. So Psychic Incursions, all kinds of missions about uh, weird psychic, weird things happening in the mind, right? So and we see this all the time on Star Trek, right? Whether it's uh, um, mind melds or mind melds gone wrong or some sort of telepathic shenanigans going on. So that one's coming up next. Uh, soon, at some point thereafter, we got a, a whole mission brief pack set on uh, first contacts. And then we've got one all about um, space wrecks. So crashes and wrecks in space, things are going on. Uh, also, uh, the, uh, the, the briefs so far have been TNG heavy. Now, of course, the conceit is that these can all be adapted for use in any era of play, but they were most of these were written specifically for TNG. Of course, you can adapt them, but they all went with the TNG trade dress. Um, a couple of the packs coming up are going to be um, original series. So we'll get oh, to right. see some original series mission briefs, which I'm really excited about. Because mm -hmm. I think the only time we've used those are in the standalone adventures and in uh, the Shackleton book. We've got a bunch I, of mission briefs in the Shackleton book. I mean, what I'm loving about what you're saying is, you know, if we think about the titles of, of these anomalies, disasters, yeah. space station, trade ledgers, growing pains, and now these that you mentioned, you really could diversify your seasons of play. Or keep oh, yeah, to one yeah. theme the entire time if you want to. So really, mm -hmm. really good selections on those uh, themes and genres. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I think what, what's exciting for me, uh, you know, as like a you know quasi executive producer of the line, right? If you want to look at that, is that each of these mission brief packs have ten adventures in it, right? So that's effectively ten episodes. So just with these five free, did we mention that they're free? With these five free mission brief packs, that's that's fifty episodes that you could potentially run like as is. And, and uh, that's just an embarrassment of riches. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying like new game masters and players coming into the game now, as opposed to five years ago, there's such a wealth of material, not just the standalone adventures that you can go buy, but like the, these free mission brief packs. Like if you're our creative a GM and you can take these and use them as intended, you got gaming material for a year or more. I mean, depending on how often your group plays, like assuming your group plays once a week, you got a year's worth of content <laughs> right now. Uh, actually, more than that, because if you include the free uh, uh, living campaign stuff, that's out, that's still out there uh, on the website. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I digress. So just you know, rest assured, Star Trek Adventures, tons of free content. You don't have to buy a lot of stuff if you don't want to. And you know, I'm a big company shill, but like really, all you need is a core book and a bunch of players, and you're good. <laughs> you're good to go. So anyway, uh, all that being said, I had two questions for everybody. Um, the uh, the first question is this is just kind of a roundtable anybody can answer it or I, you know I could go around the room but I don't want to put anybody on the spot if you don't want to answer it. Uh, first question is because you're all game masters um, and players, but you're all game masters especially. Um, do do you and please don't answer just to make me feel good because I don't really I, I care but I don't care because like this is just me doing product. Are you are you using the mission briefs for your game 
like like does the does the overall flow of it fit your game mastering style and uh you know so are, yeah i guess that's the main question is are you using them and you, do they fit the way you do things or are you finding ways to adapt them to fit the way that you uh that you game master go ahead michael you got your hand up yes 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 and yes um I think I mentioned it before, I think last week on our last show, Jim, that I played Marvel superheroes mm-hmm. in different different varieties for nearly 30 years and not once did I ever use their modules. And now 50% of my games are built from these modules. So more so than the modules, the longer modules, the mission briefs have even been better for me because since I have experience and experienced players, um, it's worked out really well. And what I try to do now is pack two stories into one. So I try to get an A story and a B story using the variety of um, packs, mission briefs um, always being involved. And then I was telling Al, which I can say, because um, he's aware of the a story we're building, that I even have my next campaign is three mission briefs and a module packed into one story. So I took the best bits of all of them and compiled them into there. So um, for someone like me, who's just scouring for ideas to create intriguing stories, it's worked out really well. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Other perspectives or comments, thoughts? Uh, Yeah, I think that the adaptability of these things are amazing. Um, And like Michael said, even just for an idea um, that you can run with, uh, it doesn't even need to be the entire brief. It could be just a little portion of that um, that I've been trying to splash into um, my games for since they were released, really. Mm -hmm. I was actually just thinking about um, the disasters brief. um, And we've been toying around with extended consequences. And I was thinking that that would be really good. Like if an extended consequence fails, throwing one of these at the players, I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, a cool way to use some of the new rules that um, have come out in the Game Master Guide. That's a neat Evil. idea. I love it. <laughs> you shouldn't have given me that idea. Uh, 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 Tony, Tilly, Susan, any any other uh, anything else? Yeah. Anything to add to that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, because Al is in my campaign. I uh, couldn't use the ones that he had written, uh, but um, I did um, kind of take one of the missions that I had proposed for Star Base Adventures and I changed it up. Um, I mean, the, it was the Packlet one um, uh, on a space station. And um, I kept the idea of the Packlet but changed the um, actual events that happened. But um, uh, in a way, it was easy to adapt what I had written to modify for a new uh, concept, uh, but, but still keeping a lot of the, the things I had in there. Uh, so, um, you know, the same packlet pack crew, but um, uh, the actual solution of the adventure was quite different and um, involved, um, in this instance, I changed it to a strange device that a um, packlet crew had uh, recovered from an unknown uh, starship, and it was a um, really strange um, interdimensional drive. And um, so it's that instead of what I actually had in the Starbase adventure. And um, it went well, but until they rolled a really bad critical at the very end, which changed the entire direction of the game um, when it got sucked into the interdimensional void. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I like them, these uh, mission briefs in the sense that um, they're very adaptable. Um, you could change little details here and there or even big details and, and still have a, a wonderful game. Yeah, nice. Very cool. Oh, that's, that's great. I love that. I love hearing that. Uh, perspective. Uh, uh, Susan Tilly, any any thoughts on the Mr. Uh, Brees in general? I haven't had much occasion to use them yet because I have to so meticulously plot both games to make sure that they don't contradict each other and have a shared history. But at the same time, most of my players in both games are also writers. And so they're always one step ahead of me because there's <laughs> a room of them and I'm just one and they're they all figure out what I'm doing ahead of time and they break it every time and then I have to adapt to them and not, also not break the other game mm. um so I it's it's a really tough so many situation times you're like, I've made for myself I never thought you would do that 
<laughs> no plan ever survives contact with the players. It, yeah. No, never. <laughs> Funny. No, that's great. Uh, any other thoughts, uh, Susan, or uh, any, any anything you want to add to that? I, I, I heard most of it, but. Uh... The only funny thing is that like some of the ones we did the mission briefs for were things that I'd already played and yeah. then some of them hadn't been played yet. And then later they come up and I'm like, I have to pretend I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's cool. No, that's great. I, I love hearing all your perspectives and uh, I'll tell you, I mean, as a, as a, as a, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of it, like whale readers just read as much as possible. And uh, I love reading Star Trek. I've got so many of the Star Trek novels on on my Kindle that uh, I just read, 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 because I just love to absorb stories so much. And the, these mission briefs are a treat because I get to read 10 new stories every time someone sends me a submission. And it's like, it's like, and it always sparks off ideas. It's like, oh, I can do this. And I can do this. I could put this in my game. Um, and it reminds me, uh, like uh, you, most of you were talking about how adaptable they are, right? And um, I was I was cleaning out my son's room the other day, and he's got one of these books. I, I'm sure you've seen him. It's like an art book where you've got like tw the, the book is like got 12 different pictures in it, and each picture is cut into three pieces so that you can flip different parts of the pictures and create different pictures by by having three different you know three different cuts of it, which is hilarious, right? Because like you make goofy pictures because you got the eyes and the nose and the face and stuff. Um, and, I, and I was thinking about the mission briefs. And I was like, well, shoot, you know, if you if you change the format and you had a bunch of act ones and a bunch of act twos and a bunch of act threes stacked up on top of each other, you could literally mix and match those and come up with all kinds of crazy episodes. And I was like, oh, hmm. I was like, oh, I need to find a web developer who can take all of our mission briefs and throw them into this into this database. Like you get some random act one, some random act two and some random act three. And you've got, you know, exponentially more potential story ideas and i was like oh how can i do that and then, and then the thought passed me by and i, I forgot about it <laughs> but i was I like oh man there's just so much story here that you can play with and because they're so like you all said that they're just so adaptable and uh, uh so I, i'm gonna store that in, thought into my noggin here okay, go ahead michael there's one, one other thing that i notice happens with mission briefs that doesn't happen as much with modules yeah and yeah. i've noticed is mission briefs lend more to the episodic storytelling of the treks we love, you know, the classic treks, TOS, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. And what I mean by that is that each mission brief ends up having like one really standout character mm. that, got, that <clears throat> interacts with the characters. We honestly, out of mission briefs came some of our most interesting um, antagonists who who then come back for guest starring. And I don't know if any of you else, any of you have noticed that, or maybe when you were writing it, you purposely were looking for a, a prime antagonist or something. But I've noticed that mission briefs lend itself to having these, you know, episodes where you remember the personality. And I love, I love when you know Luaxana Troy comes on board or an alien who is a resurrected ex-Starfleet officer going back to Voyager. You know, I love when you have one character that always sticks with you after playing a game and mission briefs seem to be doing that more than the modules. I don't know if other people feel that way. Oh, you know what, um, Jim, uh, in Modifia number two, um, uh, Vulture Among the Stars, um, that module was actually, I thought felt was similar to a mission brief and that it was small. It was runnable within a session uh, or two. Uh, and it was just wonderful because, we, you know, that's how I taught my players how starship combat worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, and yeah, like Michael said, um, so the villain from there became a, a longtime villain in my campaign. Uh, and nice. um, yeah, it's, it's great. Like Ghost Rider too. Ghost Rider was another truncated mm -hmm. mission, which we still talk about uh, four seasons in <laughs> for those who had played that one. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's one of the power po powers of the mission brief is you can wrap this story, this brief around this main character. And I usually take a, a famous actor, person or politician, and I convert that into the character. So I know how to play them at all times. Um, and so the mission brief gives you a chance to do that, I think. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, in the interest of time, I'm going to cut my second question, uh, partly because it's self-serving, but also because this is the wrong venue. So I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to you all separately about it. <laughs> well, now um, I want to hear the question. I'll tell you what the question was, and then we'll just let it go because it's it's really not critical. And plus, you know, we, we've had a good time. But my question was going to be, 
as a game master or especially as a writer, right? Looking at the format of the mission briefs, because I am always, always, always focused on improvement and process improvement and, and, and being creative and innovative in how we do things for the, not just for the line, but just for the game masters and players out there. Like, how would you, like, if you had the ability to change one thing about the mission brief format, what would it be? And um, yeah, I mean, we can, I, now that the, now that it's out of the bag, Michael, I guess you can answer it if you want to. But as I was thinking about, it, I was like, okay, A, we've gone on for almost an hour and I want to be respectful of everybody's time. But B, this is a little self-serving because I'm kind of like pulling the, uh, the, the crowd here. Like, how would you change it if you wanted to change it? Because I'm always thinking about modifying it. So I guess I'll yeah. throw the question out there before I ask you all what you're up to. But uh, uh, if you, if you could change one thing about the mission briefs, what, what would it be in terms of format? Uh, I can answer that. Um, one thing that I think would be helpful is to be able to draw upon other, like a more, a wider variety of, um, I guess, uh, antagonists mm -hmm. to modify. Uh, right now, you know, we're working off the core book, but yeah. um, that doesn't provide enough variety for things. So maybe something like a mission brief, but maybe a antagonist brief where that's free. And then we can also refer to that. You just need to download that. And uh... mm -hmm. okay. I, I got to agree. I, I, you can't really, there's not room to do much else on this when you give us these word limits, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we need space for words. I, you know, so we don't want, I don't want any art, but what Tony just said, like, even if at the end of a mission brief, you had one page with four, antagonists on it or space for I can put a piece of wacky technology that I reference to there and some mm -hmm. some some stats for it you know maybe each brief has just one page with what we we as the writer gets to choose one two three four what we're going to use to display there that would give us a lot a lot of options mm. yeah I like that because I've invented a couple of uh unique tech things that I think we could use in mission briefs in the future, but I don't know how we would incorporate that in the present format. And I also think um, from a writing standpoint that um, there's so little space that it's really important to get the story beats out there for the different acts and the little resolution, but there wasn't enough space I felt to really, um, like we tried to put at least one NPC into each thing so that the game master had somebody to work with, but we couldn't really get any information about them or stats or, or anything like that. So if there was even just a little spot to like provide a little character block for the one NPC or something for just a little like bio about them or something that would help, I think it would, it would help us, uh, provide more context for the GMs and maybe give them something more to work with so that they didn't have to, you know, like in, it was so hard to get like the NPC's personality into that little bit, you know? And so any little bits that you could maybe give the GM to help with that might help. Okay. Um, Al, any thoughts? <clears throat> um, I think it'd be neat to have um, like uh, reference episodes uh, on that first opening page um, that people could look into and just kind of set the tone um, for the briefs. Like, um, like if I could put Voyager, uh, parallax uh, in a little sidebar on that first page. Uh, recommended viewing, I think, is what we would we call it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's um, cool. That might be cool. Oh, you mean theme th you know, episodes themed to the to, to the pack? Like you know, here's yeah. here's some disaster episodes to go watch. Here's some uh, yeah. here's some anomaly episodes to go watch. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, actually, these are all great ideas. And for the for the listeners, like this is a this is a project manager line editor. Um, you know, sneaking in, a, sneaking in, a, pulling the uh, the writer uh, stable to uh, to talk about uh, the the sausage making here. So I hope you appreciate the the peek behind the scenes here. Um, I again, I told this is going to be a work meeting. Um, <laughs> Jim's like, let's get to it. <laughs> all right. I got some ideas. <laughs> um, all right. Well, cool. So um, again, wanting to respect everybody's time, I want to take an opportunity to go around and to just ask everybody, like, what projects are you working on right now that you can talk about? And uh, you know, plug yourself a little bit, and uh, and then we'll head into the usual closing. I'll turn it back over to Michael. But uh, why don't we start in the reverse order that we started with earlier? Uh, uh, Susan and Tilly, what are you all working on right now that you can share, or that you want to share uh, with the uh, with the listening audience? Um, well, we are always releasing um, new podcast episodes through our company Pendant Productions, which you can find at pendantaudio.com. Almost all of our shows are scripted. Almost all of them are sci-fi. 
Uh, we've had six of our shows be in uh, Apple's all-time top 60 sci-fi scripted shows, so that's really cool. Awesome. Um, so you could definitely check that out. Um, our comic, uh, our first creator-owned comic came out a little while back. It's called Kill Switch. It's cyberpunk sci-fi action. So you could find that on Amazon. And uh, our latest comic is coming out in an anthology that's coming out this summer called Color of Always, which is an LGBTQ uh, anthology. And uh, we've done, well, we can't wait to talk about the consulting that we've done on a certain TV show, but we're not allowed to talk about it yet. Um, <laughs> but we're really excited about that. And uh, we I don't know, what else do we have going on? I don't know. There's more, but we have, too a, much. we have a comic we're working on. Another so, comic. Yeah, but that always is comics. not, we can't talk about that yet, really. No. Um, and we're in development with a, a showrunner and a producer on an animated adult animated series pilot yeah. that we wrote. And I don't know. There's too much. There's too much. But I'm we're, gonna on, cry. we're on Twitter. You can find us there. Or you a- could, if you go to uh, birdguest.com, that is our writing website. It has links to all of our work and our social media. But we're mostly on Twitter. But mostly on Twitter. Very cool. <laughs> for people who and for people who you know look at the continuing uh, missions blog, just do a search on bridges, and all those links are there. We have them uh, from a great interview we did with them originally. Yep, and stay tuned. You'll see them in more Star Trek Adventures products coming up here pretty soon. That's we're right. very excited about those. Yay. I'm so excited too. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about it. <laughs> all right, so we'll uh, jump over to uh, Tony. Anything you want to share that you talked to uh, about your stuff you're working on? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to be a writer for a Kickstarter called uh, Tokyo Otherscape. It is a um, uh, kind of like a um, mythic cyberpunk game. Uh, and it's being produced by Sun of Oak, who produces the role-playing game City of Mist. Uh, so it'll use a new City of Mist system, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, just um, fantasy uh, technology and um, all sorts of cyberpunky goodness. Uh, other people are excited about it too, Tony. It's at one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars of its thirty-five thousand dollar goal as of today. Of wow! So, it was funded in thirty-nine minutes. Yeah, <laughs> love, it. love it. Yeah, and in fact, uh, just anecdotally, I, I remember I was at uh, Gen Con. Gosh, this must have been three years ago now, and we were selling City of Mist at uh, at the Medifius booth, and it was. Oh, yeah. I had a chance to flip through because I'd never heard of it before, and it's really cool. Uh, just uh, the, the art just blew me away. It looked great, so I, I can't wait to see what you uh, what your what your Kickstarter comes up with. So, thanks for thanks. sharing. That's awesome. Uh, Al, what do you got working on that you can share? <laughs> well, aside from the Star Trek Star Trek Adventures stuff, yeah, um, that we've got coming up. Um, I'm also going to be writing for another sci-fi role-playing game um, that has a popular IP that I can't really talk about beyond that. Um, and then a bunch of personal stuff on the DMs Guild for uh, D&D 5th Edition. Um, we'll be putting out a bunch throughout the summer. So, Super cool. Super cool. Yeah, you know, the hard thing about being an editor is uh, is hearing that your freelancers have work to do with other companies. It's like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to use you. But uh, yeah, I keep hoping. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you're all busy, right? That's the great thing is that you're busy and that you're working, and that's awesome. I'm so excited for you, and I can't wait to see what you all come up with next. So, uh, Michael, what are you working on that you can talk about beyond uh, Star Trek Adventures? You're sitting on me with the NDA. I can't say anything. <laughs> I just I just know I have about eight months of work. That, yeah. that, that's yeah, going to keep me busy. More, more to come. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I always have my comic, which I had self-published and did Kickstarters to uh, publish yeah. before called Game Masters, um, which which um, if I have time, I can get back to trying to go the animation route with it. But for right mm-hmm. now, it's all Star Trek adventures all the time. Very nice. Well, thank you. I appreciate your efforts. I appreciate everybody's efforts on this call. You uh, you, you keep me going and you keep me you, you keep bringing me joy with all the great stuff that you release. And uh, it just it makes me so happy to see you all doing such great work. So I'm thrilled that uh, I've got you all lined up. I think, I think I've talked to all of you about products, projects coming up. So I'm a, I will keep feeding you as much as I can. <laughs> I, I, got, I got plenty of work. Like I, I've told Michael before, I've got, I've got, I've got the development roadmap for the next two years laid out. And it's just a matter of making sure schedules align so I can get you all, involved in more stuff so uh, i'm sure you'll be hearing from me if you haven't already so michael let's bring it let's bring it home here let's talk about uh, sure. thank yous 
Well, my first thank you is actually going to be to you, Jim, and to Modiphius, because one of the best things I'm loving about even just this group getting together is 10 years ago, if you had a bunch of people who wrote an RPG, uh, uh, wrote for an RPG, they probably all looked alike. And now it's nice to see um, that you you and Modiphius have made such an effort to make sure to get stories from everyone. So a big thank you uh, goes to Jim Johnson, who, of course, is the project manager at Modiphius, which is going in the right direction, uh, which Star Trek wants us to go in also so that's wonderful thank you i i am gratified and humbled to hear that uh, this is a uh, one of the more diverse panels that we've had for a while now on star trek and i'm just i'm excited uh the the next project we have coming out is the most diverse crew of uh, writers we've had on a book so far and i'm just i can't wait for it to finally be announced so that i can talk about it because i am just so thrilled about everybody who worked on it and um uh, yeah, anyway, so um, I want to thank, um, well, because we're talking about mission briefs, we're talking about story, I want I, I need to thank every mentor who ever mentored me on writing. Uh, the, the list of names is way too long to go into. Um, screenplays, stage plays, Star Trek especially, just all the writers and producers who've inspired me over the years and helped, like, and also RPG writers who helped fill my brain with story and story structure and, and ways to do it effectively and to make it happen. And that's my, that's my end product is the mission briefs. And I'll, I'll continue to refine it, especially based on all your feedback you just gave me, because uh, now I've got some ideas on how to do it more better next time. So uh, Al, anybody you'd like to thank, uh, we, can, we can take an opportunity here. Um, I really wanna thank me. Uh, Michael, uh, for Al, you're gonna need to, uh, Al, you're gonna need to slow down. Oh, he's lagging. <laughs> the, <laughs> Hold on, uh, Al, you're caught in a temporal anomaly. <laughs> Hold on, Al, you were caught in a temporal anomaly, some sort of disaster for a second. <laughs> Start again. We, we missed it. That was weird, but go ahead. Time loop yourself. <laughs> All right, am I out of the time loop yet? You're good. All right, cool. Um, just Michael, a uh, year and a half ago, you asked me to be on a panel um, to share some stuff. And that was when I met you and Jim. And um, I really appreciate that. And then you brought me on board to your game. And that really showed me what Star Trek Adventures can be. So I thank you. You're welcome. It was a, it was a gift for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tony, any, any thank yous you'd like to shout, shout out? Yeah, I would like to thank uh, Michael and um, uh, Colin Wilson. Um, both of them brought me on to Continuing Mission, uh, which was um, awesome because I got to uh, learn how to write for games um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, develop all these things. And um, I don't think I'd be doing much game writing if it wasn't for the years at Continuing Mission uh, with uh, those great fellows. But let me add a footnote to that too. He has a mission brief called Hyperspace Blues that he wrote first on continuing missions and creme de la creme. So, so Tony, always love reading your stuff. And that was one of our favorite adventures. Nice. Nice. And uh, we'll finish it up here. Uh, uh, Tilly, Susan, anybody you'd like to thank? Uh, shout outs? Well, uh, I'd like to thank you, Jim, because I adore this game down to the bottom of my heart and getting to work on it has just been an absolute joy. So I'm so glad that we get to be part of the team that helps make this. And um, I want to thank Susan because she is my writing partner and without her, I would be half the writer I am. So mm. can't do it without you, babe. <laughs> I want to thank Jim for still considering us to write even after Chile posted about the game 400 million times on Twitter. <laughs> That's bad. But I'm not like, are thing. you coming across as a bit of a nutter? I hope not. <laughs> Have you seen how much I tweet? Uh, how much I tweet about the game? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even use Twitter until I was infected by Jim's Twitter. <laughs> now, I, now I tweet. I didn't tweet before. From the from the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you enough. I, I I can't believe it's taken this long for us to get together on a phone call. So thank you so much for 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 being willing to come along for the ride. So I'm I am like I said humbled every day that I've got an amazing group of people to work with. Uh, you uh, you all lift me in ways that I can't tell you. But uh, thank you all for being here, uh, Michael. What do we how do we wrap this thing up here? Hey, I, as, as I as I said at the top of the show, I knew this was going to be one of the best ones ever. It's nice yeah. to see all this enthusiasm for Star Trek mm -hmm. Adventures and Mission Briefs especially. So definitely guess we will be having back and uh, watching sure. careers too. Such a creative, I'm inspired. Such a creative group of Super. people. So thank you everyone for 
tune in into continuing conversations. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. Live long and prosper, everybody. I'll be talking to each of you real soon. Peace.